Welcome to the First Baptist Church podcast from First Baptist Church in Navasota, Texas. For more information, visit fbcnavasota.org. You don't have to clap. Instead, we just say amen. God bless you all. Thank you all for being here this morning. They're going to be they're going to be coming back in a little while at the end of our service so that we have the opportunity to share with them the right hand of Christian fellowship. Now something happened this past week in the First Baptist family and I want to share about it with you if you have just a moment. Um Brenda McDonald oftentimes comes up here and does a great job. As a matter of fact, she did the greatest job ever on a children's sermon up here, and it has become the standard that everybody else tries to meet. Okay, this is what, this is where it is, and everybody else has to kind of bump up and uh, step their game up. But Brenda, this past week, received the Technology Administrator of the Year award from the Texas Computer Education Association, which is the largest educational technology organization in the state of Texas. It is given to a, quote, technology administrator in school who exhibits exemplary vision and management of technology on a district level. Brenda, nicely done. Young guys, let me share with you this. If you are looking back there and you see what Brenda is doing to me right now, that is called a stink eye, all right? Women practice that, okay, for situations like this where where they are not embarrassed, but they are recognized for something when they didn't expect it. We're glad you all are here. and This morning we're going to be talking about exactly what you have seen in the last 20 minutes. And that is the idea of knowing whose team you are on, who you belong to. What is it that makes you different from everybody else that is in this room as far as your rooting interest, as far as everything else? This will be a standalone of how you stand alone in the midst of a crowd. Now, folks, I want to share with you this. When we're talking about these things, I want you to understand that sometimes as a Christ follower, it is difficult in our culture to go ahead and and be willing to say, I follow Jesus Christ and Him alone. Our culture right now is critical of most Christ followers. Please understand I'm using the difference between the word Christ follower and Christian. A Christian now has been so diluted in its meaning that we don't really understand anymore what a Christian really does believe or doesn't believe. But the Bible says Jesus called out his disciples, those that were being taught by him, and he said, follow me. As a matter of fact, when he calls out all of his disciples, virtually every one of them, he says, follow me, follow me, follow me. What that is meaning is that as Jesus steps this way and heads this direction, you and I are to to fall, fall in line behind him and do what he does. Elvin this morning was baptized. 
why in the world do you get baptized? Now, it's not because this is a Baptist church and Baptists get baptized. That's not it. What you saw up there was Elvin standing there and walking in, and if you've ever been to the noble's funeral home, you would recognize him straight up. That's what he looks like. He walks in, and then as he's in in that water, he all of a sudden goes out of view. Now here at First Baptist, because that thing is elevated in such a way, when you, when you all are looking at him, you're catching about this much of him, okay? Maybe from the top of the shoulders up, and that's it. There's a whole lot more to the body besides just the shoulders and up. And in Elvin's case, what ended up happening is as he's being baptized, he disappears from your view for just a moment. But when he reappears, he's different looking than he was before. Now that's part of what baptism is supposed to be. It paints a picture for you and me of the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The death of Jesus Christ. Everyone knew who he was. And as a matter of fact, folks who had seen him in and out of Jerusalem and in in all of Galilee and, and, and Judah, ended up looking at Jesus and saying, I know who he is and I know why he's up there and he's being killed. Eh, I'm not really sure why, but I'm glad I'm not him. The reality is afterwards he was placed in a tomb, a borrowed tomb, one that had never been used before. And after that, he resurrected three days. And over 400 people saw the risen Jesus. I've shared this with you before. One of the reasons I can believe the story of Jesus' resurrection is this. If it had not happened, there would have been plenty of people that would have come up and said, you know what? That's a lie. And he really wasn't. Nobody saw him. And the proof, folks, of his his resurrection was the fact that there is, in fact, no rebuttal to that. 400 people see the risen Lord Jesus, and eventually he ascends into heaven. Now, guys, listen to me. What you saw with Elvin is this. This is Elvin. This is what happens when Elvin, the Elvin that we know, the person that you are, quits living their life for themselves, and they are changed. And they're changed, listen to me, they're changed not to look like a Baptist. They're changed to look like Jesus. He changes us from the inside out. Now that's the sermon before the sermon. Here's here's what happens. You and I are to be changed by Jesus and then we're to go ahead and be folks that look like him enough that people will go, that must be a Christ follower. That must be a Christian. And in fact, understanding who is and isn't a Christian isn't by looks alone. I shared with Elvin the same thing I had shared with Jeffrey Nobles. I presumed, I assumed that that person, both of these guys, were Christ followers. I assumed that. The reality is, don't ever assume, folks. Be willing to go ahead and ask. Be willing to go ahead and ask them to share about their confession of faith. Because what you'll find is my two friends, is they may say, hey, that's never happened in my life. I've known these two men for 13 years. And I'm grateful that God gave 
another opportunity and another opportunity as he does for you and me to come to know him. And guys, listen to me. You don't have to tell Pastor Clyde you're a Christian to get into heaven. I'm not the one that gives you that. The Lord Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago hung on a cross for your sin, died for you, bled for you, was buried for you, and rose for you to prove that there is life after death. Sorry, Jeff, but what you get to do, sorry, Elvin, but what you get to do is not the final thing. There's something past that, and I'm grateful for it. I want to ask you a question. Do you know who this guy is? Do you know who that is? That is Chad McMillan. Please hear this. He is a freshman at the University of Texas when this was taken. That's the same Chad that right now is laying at home in bed with his wife and his young son, Charlie, battling the flu. All right? I know. Pray for them. It is not whatever the thing is, Chinese flu, whatever, I, coronavirus. Okay, the coronavirus. I keep thinking of that old Toyota car back in the 1970s. They had a corona. Any of you all ever ride in one of those things? Death trap. Death trap. All right? He's at home sick right now, but can you guess, can you guess where he went to college. Take a wild get I see that. All right. He he went to the place that is taco meat, okay? All right. He went to Texas. He's a Longhorn. He's unapologetic about being a Longhorn, although he was recruited by the school that is right up the road. He was recruited by a lot of schools. He was a gifted and talented athlete at, at Katy High School. And his freshman year, as he shared a couple of weeks ago, his freshman year at Texas, after being the president of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes back in his high school, he, he had been around church all of the time, he'd gone to church all of the time, but he didn't know Jesus. And as a freshman at Texas, a man came into his dorm room and began to talk about faith in Jesus, not just having Jesus as an add-on to your life. If you ask, and I hope you will, Chad, about this, he'll explain to you that he was angry. He threw the guy out of the room. He is uh, he's 6'5", and at the time weighed 290 pounds. So when he told me he threw the guy out, I said, oh, you, you, you didn't really throw him out. He said, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. He said, this guy was interrupting a nap, and I needed a nap before afternoon practice. So he said, I grabbed him kind of by the top of the neck, And I don't know whether there was lifting involved, but knowing that he was in in training, I imagine there was. And he politely escorted the man swiftly out into the hall of his dormitory. Fast forward a few weeks, and he comes to faith in Christ, just like Elvin, just like some of you. And from that moment on, God began to put a call in his life. And you never had to ask yourself from that time on which team Chad played for. Not the Longhorns, but the Lord. Now, how can you know what team a person is on? It's a fairly easy thing. It's not just by what they wear and what they do and what they say. It is more than that. It is how you live. 
Now, do any of you all have any doubts where I went to college? You just increased the sermon by another hour for saying TCU. I went to SMU. I, I am proud of that fact. I, back in the day, we used to play you Aggies. We used to play you Longhorns. We used to play all of the cool teams, and now we don't. I see a young man back there with an Aggie too. Stand up, sir. Stand up. There you go. Do you have to wonder if he's ever going to be a Longhorn fan? No, you don't. All right? That will never happen. Okay. That's not, by the way, you can be penalized for that now. It's the only hand gesture. Well, there's another hand gesture. But it's the only hand gesture you'd make that the Big 12 will throw a personal foul on. Yeah. Yeah. Don't do that. Chad, knew, Chad followed his dream of playing football and played for Texas. I followed my dream of playing football and never got a down at SMU. I had the same amount of time on a, on a football field as a corpse. All right? Never got out there. But you don't have to wonder where we went to school or who we support. Now guys, we're going to look at a scripture this morning that talks about knowing who you are, knowing whose you are, and who you not play for, but live for. And I'm going to invite you to stand together. We do this to honor the reading of God's Word. And we're going to go ahead and read together this portion of Scripture out of Romans chapter 1. Very, very uh, familiar to many of you all. Let's read together. For I'm not ashamed of the Gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then the Gentile. For in the Gospel, the righteousness of Christ is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from the first to the last. Just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Thank you. May God bless the reading of His Word. Please be seated. So the real question this morning is this. Whose team are you on? Whose team are you on? Now, folks, this is a dyadic question. You cannot be on a middle team. You either are a Christ follower or you are not. It doesn't come by joining a church. It doesn't come by being baptized like Elvin did this morning. It comes by a simple confession of your faith where you say, God, here I am. I know that I know who I am. I am a sinner. And, and by the way, folks, most of the time when we come to a Baptist church, what ends up happening is you, people feel like, oh, I'm going to get beat to death and be called all kinds of bad things. Be called, you're a sinner, you're no good, you're, you've fallen away from God, you're, you're hopeless. And if that's your idea of what this church is, then you've missed the boat. The truth is not what a church says about you, but what the Bible says about you and me. And the Bible says this, we are sinners. A sinner is a person who falls short of the mark. Here's the mark. Here's where God wants you and me to be. And we may jump and get close. We may jump and try to climb things to get up there in our own work and ability. But we won't hit God's mark. And God requires us to hit that mark every single time without fail. So the Bible says we're in, desperate, in a desperate place. We're a sinner. The second thing it tells us 
is we cannot save ourselves. We can't do enough good things to go ahead and, and save ourselves. So this morning, I had the privilege, before we met in here, of meeting with uh, the Blair family and the Head family. And, and their sons were there, and I got to kind of put my hands on them and just revel it. By the way, except for certain times, babies have a really good smell, okay? They were, you know what I mean? They, they, they do. And, and I'm sitting up there, and I'm, I'm kind of just playing with them and, and enjoying them and having a great time with them. And one of them is kind of just looking at me like, who in the heck are you and why in the heck am I here? And the other is, has this split ear, no teeth grin, having the best time of his life because he's happy to be alive. Guys, I'm going to share with you. In meeting with them, I have the opportunity to go ahead and talk with them about what we just did. Not just dedicating a child to the Lord, but also getting a chance to say, hey, you know what, let's pray that God reaches to this life in the same way that He reached your life as parents. Folks, listen to me. We pray that that child, those boys, are going to go ahead and decide to to follow Jesus Christ. We pray that that's going to happen when when they're... young and not my age or older. We pray that. We pray that you'll know what team you're on before any time elapses in your life so that there's no wasted time. There's no time where you play the game of saying, I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish I could go roll back the clock. And guys, listen to me. The other truth the Bible says about you and me, we can't roll back the clock. The things that we have done that are in our past that haunt us, we can't do a thing about. But God can. God can. That's why when Paul wrote this in Romans 1, he said, our salvation, our salvation proves who Jesus Christ is. That He is God's established way of saying to you and me, I love you and I want you to become a part of my family. I share this with you because there's going to be one of three things that you are as a team mate, as a team follower, or just as a fan. And and I want to ask you this. We talk about Christ following. Are Are you, in fact, a follower? Are you a follower? Now, a follower is a person... A follower of, okay, you, a follower of Texas A&M, you're not going to miss a single game unless providentially hindered. You're going to go ahead and go to every single one of the games that you can get a ticket to Kyle Field or to to the basketball game or anything else. You're going to watch it on television. You're going to do that. A follower is a person who, who normally, well, okay, like my friend Thomas Moore, you're a follower of Texas A&M. You played at Texas A&M. You, you met Bear Bryant. He recruited you. Sitting in your, your, mama's and, your mama and daddy's uh, front, front room. All of those things. He's a follower of Texas A&M. But he's also a Christ follower. How do you know when you're just a follower? A follower is going to do what we shared just a moment ago. If Jesus is walking this way, I walk along with him. Not by his side, I follow 
Follow means you're not in charge. Everybody got that? You're not in charge. He's in charge. Now there's a difference between a follower. A follower can be a person that simply marches in tune behind. Some people, though, that come to church are in fact just fans. You're a fan. So let me ask you that. Are you just a fan? Are you a fan, not of church, but a fan of God? A fan is a shortened word for fanatic. Fanatic. I am not only here, but I am absolutely here. Have you ever met folks like that? They didn't go to the school that they root for, but they are worse than any graduate you would ever find. You ever know those folks? Yep. They are incredible. Most are called now t-shirt fans. Okay? What's a t-shirt fan? person that has the t-shirt but not the degree on the wall. Listen to me. Listen. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with being a fan of God, a fanatic of God. But please hear this. You and I are called first to be followers. Follow me. Second of all, our fanaticism comes out of the first thing. But listen, our fanaticism does not mean that we strap bombs around our middles like some religions call are called to do, walk in the midst of folks that they consider to be unbelievers and detonate themselves. That is a lie from the pit of hell of Satan. That is not godly. That's not religious. It isn't extremism as I heard the other day on news. By the way, look, look. Some of you like me don't even go, go and turn on the television news anymore. I don't even do that anymore. The other day, turned up, was flipping through the channels, and they had uh, a person that I know that was up there on a particular news channel that has three letters in it. That should confuse you for a while. Um, and they were talking about the debate that went on with the Democratic candidates. Please hear this. There is not a big elephant behind me. There is not a donkey behind me. There's not, there's not a hammer and sickle behind me or anything else, okay? So I'm listening to this, and the, the guy interviewing these two people said, well, what do you think about, and he named a candidate, and he said, about this particular proposal. Listen to me. You know what happened? Both folks talked at the same time. Does that bother you? Well, thank you. Somebody's listening. Good. They're both talking at the same time. My mama would have dope slapped me into tomorrow if I had done that. You don't do that. It's not polite. And these guys were going, and, and my first reaction is, get me that daggum remote. I'm getting out of here. And I changed channels. Because I'm going to share with you, a fanatic as a Christ follower does not go up and down the aisles of a church and going, are you a Christ follower? If you're not, you're going to burn in hell! That's not it. There's nothing wrong with being a follower. You should be. There's nothing wrong with being a fan. You should be. But folks, there's one more thing you should know. I believe that above both of those, God wants you to be what we saw earlier with Chad. 
a player, not in that vernacular, that person's a player. No, not a player, a player. A player is a person that puts on the helmet, wears the jersey, and stays in the game. I want you to hear this. Some of us in this room have absolutely no athletic ability left. Some of us in this room never had any athletic ability before it left. But God calls you to be a player on his team. And he offers you your own personal jersey that he has setting aside for you. And he waits for you to say yes to him, to put it on, and listen to me, not sit the bench, but get in the game. How do you get in the game for God? You have to be a follower. You have to be a fan. And you have to be willing to say, I don't run my own plays. I listen to my coach, my superior, my Lord, and he tells me what to do, how I can be successful for his team, not for myself. Does everybody get that? There's one more portion of this, and we'll be done. Not only whose team are you on, but this. How would other people know which team you are on? How would other people know which team you're on? You see, you may be walking into a business tomorrow to school, and people may just look at you and go, oh, that's my friend Ricky. Oh, that's my friend Don. Oh, that's my friend... Chris and kind of dismiss it at that, as that Elvin if you don't mind I'm going to share just a minute not about what you and I talked about but about what you saw you questioned Jeffrey about why he had his Bible out you know, at, at work and was going he was actually going through part of his Sunday school lesson the Gospel Project which if you're not involved in Bible study Sunday morning 9.15 is a good time to do that and he asked him about it he said what are you doing Jeff told me about this later on he said he, said, he asked me about it and I kind of shared with him this is what I'm doing this is why I'm doing this guys listen to me the way that you know what team you play on is first of all by your colors. The other colors that match the ones that your team is on. Does God have color? Yes, He does. It's red. It's the blood of Jesus that was shed for your sin and mine on the cross. That's His colors. But the nice thing about those colors is He doesn't just keep you in that bloody red garment and say, now you're mine and you're saved. You know, as a matter of fact, what he does is he cleans the inside, which is another color, and it is dark black because of the sin in our lives. Remember we talked about that before? The Bible says everybody in this room is a sinner. And he goes in and he cleans that out, and he gives purity to you. And I'm not sure what purity looks like, but the Bible says it is a pure color that is unabridged by any other. That's who you become before God. It is by the colors, but it's also by the cheers. The cheers. Or, or if you're an Aggie, the yells. I didn't know the difference, okay? Aggies, Aggies don't cheer, do you? You don't cheer. 
Aggies, you don't cheer, do you? What do you do? All right. And so if you see somebody like my friend, Harold Reeves, who did this one time, and he does this, which I had no idea what that was. I thought that was like a 1970s, we're about ready to go disco thing, all right? But it's not. It is to, to, it's a sign that the little milkman at Kyle Field do where they do this, and it goes all the way up in the stands. I tease, I tease. It's just kidding. And it goes all the way up in the stands. So the guys in the top row know we're about ready to do a yell. And then you do farmer's fight. Farmer's fight, farmer's fight, fight, farmer's fight. Never understood it. Not one of that team. But listen, you know, you know that you're a Christ follower by your colors, but also by your cheers and yells. And guys, let me share with you one of the things that happened today that exemplifies that. Elvin's baptized. He's up there. He's underwater, hoping that Jeff does not decide to say the Lord's Prayer while he's there. Brings him back up. And after he's brought up, I'm looking at Elvin, I'm looking at Jeffrey, and immediately he hears you. Y'all know what you do after people are baptized? I'm hearing amens. I'm hearing clapping. I heard somebody go, yay. I hear this. Elvin's clearing water out of his head, all right? He can't hear all of that. But I shared with him, that's what we do here. You're known by what you cheer for, yell for, as a Christ follower. When someone becomes a believer in Jesus, a follower of Jesus, we should be excited. We should be the ones that go, yes! Too often we go ahead and act like the frozen chosen. Well, that's nice. Not nice, folks cost my Savior his life for my sin, for Elvin's, for Jeffrey's, for Ricky's, for Skip's. The last way you know, it's by what you do. You can only do if you play. Playing may mean this that you go ahead and walk up to a friend of yours tomorrow and ask them this one question. Do you have a relationship with a God who loves you? Oh, man. But I'm not a preacher. It's not being a preacher. That's being a player on God's team. Because I'm going to tell you this. If Jeffrey and Elvin are out there and the Baptist preacher of 13 years here at First Baptist presumes and assumes that they're a Christ follower without ever having asked, then we are surrounded in our community by folks that are waiting to hear the good news just like you did. The time is right now. For some of you this morning, this is the first time you've heard the good news that Jesus died on a cross for your sin. I want to share with you that it doesn't mean that you come and suddenly become religious. Instead, it means that you simply say, I want to be forgiven, like all those that we've talked about this morning.
And it comes not by doing a church thing, but by instead bowing your head and saying, God, I know I'm a sinner and I can't save myself, so you have to do all the work. Would you do it in my life? And if you ask him that, folks, here's what he'll do. He will begin, he'll come into your life, and he'll begin to make you like him. Greatest news I can give you this morning. Would you do that? Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you that we can know which team we belong to, yours. Not because we're wearing clothes that make us look religious, not because we're doing things that seem to be what we ought to do at church, but, Father, because you are loving and good, and you're waiting right now for us to say yes to you. I pray, Father, for this time. Blessed, as we come right now to ask you to speak to our heart, ask you to go ahead and help us make the next step in our walk with Jesus. I pray that for men and women and boys and girls today that need to say yes to you, that they will, and they'll be willing to publicly make that commitment. For folks that are looking for a church family to plug into, if that is their life right now, then I pray that you'll give them the peace that this is the right place. Father, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for giving us this opportunity. And for this morning, Father, may you and you alone receive us for your glory. And we pray this in Jesus' name. All of God's people said, Amen. This is that time in the service I told you about. where We're going to sing a song, and if God is speaking to your heart, I'm going to invite you to come and pray with me here at our altar area. Let's stand together. Let's sing. And as God leads, you come.